Hey there, welcome to LSAT Demon Daily. I'm Kevin Kissinger, uh, and with me is Stuart Zelnick. Uh, we're both teachers here at the LSAT Demon and tutors as well. But uh, we, we, I just realized we both teach logical reasoning. Uh, what, what is your class about, Stuart? Yeah, we have uh, we have a nice little overlap of our uh, logical reasoning uh, teachers here today. So I <laughs> teach um, I teach LR Secret Sauce. Uh, where we essentially are deconstructing every argument into its kind of constituent parts uh, and then talking about, you know, what's the evidence, what's the conclusion, if there is one, and walking students through generally three questions, uh, each one of various difficulty levels to make sure that, you know, they understand what we're looking at, talking about the evidence, making sure that we're going through our, our process, right, instead of just blindly heading into the question. Yeah, no, that's a I love that, um, breaking it down, because that's what we got to do on, on the outside, is slow down and make sure we understand what we're reading. So I love that. Um, and your class is on Sundays, right? Yep. Sundays, uh, 3 p.m. Eastern. And then usually I hang back a little bit after class to talk with students one-on-one if they have any questions about LR or the study process in general. Hey, what a great way to spend your Sunday afternoon, in my opinion. So <laughs> check that out. I, I also teach, I teach on Tuesdays uh, pretty late at night for those of you on the East Coast. But if you're on the West Coast and you just got off work, then it's a great time to study a little bit of logical reasoning while you're chowing down your dinner. Uh, my class is called Guilty or Not Guilty. And similar to Stuart, our goal is to break down the passage, but we're trying to figure out, really trying to be aggressive and attack the passage to see if there's a problem going on with it. So good exercise uh, for both classes. Um, but our topic today is um, about getting ready for, uh, if you should know if you should take the exam, you know, registering for it and whatnot. So if you're still on the fence about whether you'll register or not, we have a few uh, things to consider when, when deciding if you're ready. I guess a good place to start off, right, is talking about, like, are your scores, you know, your score range, is that where you want it to be? Remember, we aren't judging our scores off of a single practice test. It's made up of a score range, and we generally say that that's made up of five or more practice tests. And these don't have to be, you know, full length practice tests that you're sitting for, you know, the the hour plus going through them. Do time sections, you know, one of one of each section and then uh, figure out from there what the score uh, equates to. And once you've done all of those time sections and you can come up with five total LSAT scores, you'll have a pretty good idea of your test range and whether or not it's, you know, kind of in the ballpark of, of where you want to be. Yeah. And we don't, we don't want a hard limit or anything like that. Like uh, yeah. all the time you hear uh, people say, oh, I just want a 170. And it's like, well, cool. That's a good goal, you know, or 160 or 150 or whatever, but you should try to aim for a specific range so you can have a bit of flexibility because the test is, you know, treat the real thing like a practice test. But, you know, you just don't know exactly if you're going to perform the same way you do um, on a practice test. So if you're looking for that range, um, you can check out lsatdemon.com scholarships, kind of plug in some numbers, do a little bit of uh, math there, and it can kind of tell you what financial aid package you might receive from certain schools. Um, so if you're like, oh, I want a 163 to 168, um, that's how you can figure that out and make sure that complies with whatever school you're, you're trying to attend uh, in the future. Yeah, and I really want to hit upon you know the point that you said about how your range is kind of flexible because as you know as teachers, right? I think it's helpful for yeah. students to hear our own experiences. And yep. for me personally, um, you know, the score ended up somewhere towards the the middle or even slightly tilted a little bit towards the lower end of my range. 
uh, which is totally fine because it still falls within my range and it was still an acceptable score that that worked for me that I was comfortable with. Um, and I think that, you know, anytime you can show up to test day and know that like, you know, even if you do score towards the low end of your range, that you're going to be comfortable with that score, it takes a lot of anxiety and a lot of pressure right out of test day, which is already, you know, an incredibly stressful experience to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more with that, but, um, kind of adding on to that, you know, when you're doing practice tests and you're doing time sections and stuff like that, that should be a really good indicator of, uh, how you're going to do on test day. So, you know, I, I get this a lot as a teacher is like, oh, I've done a lot of stuff untimed. And I was like, well, wait a second, you know, I understand drilling and, you know, doing questions on your own to build up the the knowledge and practice and whatnot. But at some point you've got to do some time sections, whether you have accommodated time or not, because how are you supposed to get an accurate reflection of what, how you will perform on test day? So keep that in mind. Got to treat that, uh, the practice as the real thing. But um, another thing, and we I kind of touched on this earlier with a different um, hard limit with score, but there's also a hard limit with time. You don't want to set a hard hard limit with time right Stuart yeah yeah you want to you want to just get practice you want to get your practice in be comfortable under the time where you are you know understanding like how long it's taking you to do each section um but also understanding that like you know you have multiple attempts at taking the LSAT and you know panicking or having something crazy happen on on a test is is sometimes might happen but generally speaking you shouldn't you shouldn't be stressing yourself out that much about time um you know, a lot of students, right, think that if they don't finish the test within like the or the section within like the 35 minutes they're allotted, that like that's no good. But really, we care about your accuracy on the ones that you're attempting because uh, you you only get points for the ones that you get correct. So it's it's much more valuable for you to be focusing on slowing down and getting those ones correct. Um, and even if you don't finish all of them, right, you know, guess on the rest um, and you know hope that you get lucky. But really focus on making sure that you're getting the ones that you attempt correct. Yes. Yep. Getting them right will allow speed to follow on its own. You only have to try to work for it because it will just happen. Yep. But another kind of time also, we're also, we should also consider when we're registering or thinking about registering for the LSAT is setting a hard deadline. If you're planning to apply in let's say next fall, this would be fall of 2023, um, hoping for admission starting in 2024, you know, don't set the hard limit. Okay. I'm going to take the August LSAT. That's going to set you up for um, potentially some huge disappointment um, because a lot of students, they'll set August as their deadline. They don't get the score they want and boom, suddenly the cycle's upon them and there's nothing they can really do about it. It's kind of, you're behind, you're losing the game already. Yeah. I think a good way of thinking about it, right, is that, you know, your score range should dictate when you're taking the test exactly. rather than, you know, when you're taking the test, dictating like your score range that, that feels backwards to me. So if you, if you have a score range that you're comfortable with and you feel ready for it, by all means, register for the test and take it. Otherwise, if you're still not quite within that score range, you know, don't worry about looking out long-term and being like, I got to you know, take the test by X month, right? Law schools are going to be around. They can wait if you yeah. have to take a, you know, I took a gap year, you know, if you have to take an extra year off to really focus on your studies, do that by all means. It, it pays off long term. Um, you know, you've got the opportunity to go to better schools. You get more money. You don't go into debt. Uh, all of things which, you know, we want you to do. We want you to have a debt free law school experience. Yeah. And that's a good point you made. It's uh, we don't 
we want to go to law school, obviously, but we don't want to make it seem like we're begging for law school. We want law schools to beg for us. So at that point, get your highest score, then apply to law school. Think about it that way. And then likewise, if you're, if you register, let's say you register for this test and you realize two weeks before you're like, oh shoot, I am not ready. I'm really struggling or I got really sick or, oh, I forgot about my um, great aunt's wedding that's supposed to happen this weekend. My bad. I need to reschedule. Withdrawing is better than actually using one of those attempts. Um, do you have any experience with that, Stuart, directly with um, something like yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. The the personal anecdote of, of getting sick, you know, really hits, hits close <laughs> to home. Uh, having gotten sick, uh, I was comfortable within my score range when I was getting ready to take an August LSAT. And just before that August LSAT, I got uh, super sick and, you know, tried to kind of practice test through it, but I found that I really couldn't focus and I knew that I wouldn't perform my best. So I decided to withdraw from the August LSAT and instead uh, register for the September one. And my advice to anyone dealing with any kind of similar situation is call them, talk to a LSAC representative on the phone. Uh, the nice woman from LSAC that I spoke with was incredibly helpful and incredibly sympathetic to my situation uh, and, and probably, you know, bent some things around that otherwise I, I might not have had the opportunity to register for September. Um, and she also moved my registration without having to do any you know crazy charges, which is, is really nice because it's super unexpected that you get sick or have something crazy come up. Oh, yeah. And it's nice to, you know, be reminded that like at the end of the day, right, talking to another human being and explaining your situation is probably going to get you a little bit farther than it would online. I agree. Yeah. And that's good advice too. I, I didn't know about calling. Um, I, I've had to reschedule my test once um, and I just did it online, but I was short $200 for that. So calling and saving money, that's, that's great. That's, um, but again, there's nothing wrong with taking the LSAT later. It's always going to be there. You have time to do it. Um, just don't waste one of your attempts. Yeah, most students, uh, I think most students only get five attempts. Yeah. Generally speaking, there there are, you know, some exceptions that, that can be made. And we do hear students who end up having more than five attempts due to those exceptions. But I would say, generally speaking, most students only have those five attempts available. And if you, you know, view your kind of studying as growth oriented, that when you take an LSAT, maybe you think, oh, wow, I can do a lot better. Uh, then maybe you need those extra attempts to kind of help make sure that you get your best score. It takes a lot of the pressure off, right? If you have, if you know you can take it again, rather than being like, oh no, this is the last time I'm going to be able to take it. I need to score my highest. Uh, yeah. That puts you in a real bad pressure scenario. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of registering and pressure, um, Ben and Nathan often encourage this in class. Um, when I was a student, the demon, they said this. So this advice has been around for a while. But when you hit that range, you're feeling good, you're ready to take the test, register for two, do two in a row. So then, you know, register for the April test. And I think the next, I think there is a May test. So you can register for both. And then if things go south, oh no, um, I have a backup plan. No big deal. But if you do really well, great. You're short $200. That That's not, you know, nobody likes to be short $200, but you got the high score and that security blanket can go away. No harm, no foul. So yeah, always nice to have a, you know, always nice to have like a, an escape plan, a plan B. Yes. Yeah. Plan B. Yeah. That's all I have for this episode. You know, again, registering for uh, the test, you know, it's something you need to take a bit of time and consider for yourself. How am I doing in my practice range? Um, am I actually feeling ready to go? If not, that's okay. I can kick the can down the road and get back to it later, but I don't have anything else. Do you have anything, Stuart? Uh, no, nothing else for me. Perfect. Well, um, 
if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can email daily at lsatdemon.com. Uh, LSAT um, you can also share some LSAT or law, law school admissions news. Uh, thanks for listening. Yeah.